Chapter Thirty of the Mayflower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Mayflower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe chapter thirty how to make friends with mammon it was four o'clock in the afternoon of a dull winter day that mr h sat in his counting-room the sun had nearly gone down and in fact it was already twilight beneath the shadows of the tall dusky stores and the close crooked streets of that quarter of boston hardly light enough struggled through the dusky panes of the counting-house for him to read the entries in a much-thumbed memorandum-book which he held in his hand a small thin boy with a pale face and anxious expression significant of delicacy of constitution and a too early acquaintance with want and sorrow was standing by him earnestly watching his motions ah yes my boy said mr h as he at last shut up the memorandum book yes i've got the place now i'm apt to be forgetful about these things come now let's go how is it haven't you brought the basket no sir said the boy timidly the grocer said he'd let mother have a quarter for it, and she thought she'd sell it. That's bad, said Mr. H., as he went on, tying his throat with a long comforter of some yards in extent, and as he continued this operation, he abstractedly repeated, That's bad, that's bad till the poor little boy looked quite dismayed and began to think that somehow his mother had been dreadfully out of the way she didn't want to send for help so long as she had anything she could sell said the little boy in a deprecating tone oh yes quite right said mr h taking from a pigeon-hole in the desk a large pocket-book and beginning to turn it over and as before abstractedly repeating quite right quite right till the little boy became reassured and began to think although he didn't know why that his mother had done something quite meritorious well said mr h after he had taken several bills from the pocket-book and transferred them to a wallet which he put into his pocket now we're ready my boy but first he stopped to lock up his desk and then he said abstractedly to himself i wonder if i hadn't better take a few tracks now it is to be confessed that this mr h whom we have introduced to our reader was in his own way quite an oddity he had a number of singular little pensions and peculiarities quite his own such as a passion for poking about among dark alleys 
at all sorts of seasonable and unseasonable hours fishing out troops of dirty neglected children and fussing about generally in the community till he could get them into schools or otherwise provided for he always had in his pocket-book a note of some dozen poor widows who wanted tea sugar candles or other things such as poor widows always will be wanting and then he had a most extraordinary talent for finding out all the sick strangers that lay in out-of-the-way upper rooms in hotels who everybody knows have no business to get sick in such places unless they have money enough to pay their expenses which they never do besides this all mr h s kinsmen and cousins to the third fourth and fortieth remove were always writing him letters which among other pleasing items generally contained the intelligence that a few hundred dollars were just then exceedingly necessary to save them from utter ruin and they knew of nobody else to whom to look for it and then mr h was up to his throat in subscriptions to every charitable society that ever was made or imagined had a hand in building all the churches within a hundred miles occasionally gave four or five thousand dollars to a college offered to be one of six to raise ten thousand dollars for some benevolent purpose and when four of the six backed out quietly paid the balance himself and said no more about it another of his innocent fancies was to keep always about him any quantity of tracts and good books little and big for children and grown-up people which he generally diffused in a kind of gentle shower about him wherever he moved so great was his monomania for benevolence that it could not at all confine itself to the streets of boston the circle of his relatives or even the united states of america mr h was fully posted up in the affairs of india burma china and all those odd out-of-the-way places which no sensible man ever thinks of with any interest unless he can make some money there and money it is to be confessed mr h didn't make there though he spent an abundance for getting up printing presses in ceylon for chinese type for boxes of clothing and what not to be sent to the sandwich islands for school books for the greeks and all other nonsense of that sort mr h was without a parallel no wonder his rich brother merchants sometimes thought him something of a bore since his heart being full of all these matters he was rather apt to talk about them and sometimes to endeavour to draw them into fellowship to an extent that was not to be thought of so it came to pass often that though mr h was a thriving business man with some ten thousand a year he often wore a pretty threadbare coat the seams whereof would be trimmed with lines of white 
and he would sometimes need several pretty plain hints on the subject of a new hat before he would think he could afford one now it is to be confessed the world is not always grateful to those who thus devote themselves to its interests and mr h had as much occasion to know this as any other man people got so used to his giving that his bounty became as common and as necessary as that of a higher benefactor who maketh his son to rise upon the evil and the good and sendeth rain upon the just and the unjust and so it came to pass that people took them as they do the sunshine and the rain quite as matters of course not thinking much about them when they came but particularly apt to scold when they did not come but mr h never cared for that he did not give for gratitude he did not give for thanks nor to have his name published in the papers as one of six who had given fifty thousand to do so and so but he gave because it was in him to give and we all know that it is an old rule in medicine as well as morals that what is in a man must be brought out then again he had heard it reported that there had been one of distinguished authority who had expressed the opinion that it was more blessed to give than to receive and he very much believed it believed it because the one who said it must have known since for man's sake he once gave away all and so when some thriftless distant relation whose debts he had paid a dozen times over gave him an overhauling on the subject of liberality and seemed inclined to take him by the throat for further charity he calmed himself down by a chapter or two from the new testament and half a dozen hymns and then sent him a good brotherly letter of admonition and counsel with a bank-note to enforce it and when some querulous old woman who had a tenement of him rent-free for three or four years sent him word that if he didn't send and mend the water-pipes she would move right out he sent and mended them people said that he was foolish and that it didn't do any good to do for ungrateful people but mr h knew that it did him good he loved to do it and he thought also on some words that ran to this effect do good and lend hoping for nothing again he literally hoped for nothing again in the way of reward either in this world or in heaven beyond the present pleasure of the deed for he had abundant occasion to see how favours are forgotten in this world and as for another he had in his own soul a standard of benevolence so high so pure so ethereal that but one of mortal birth ever reached it he felt that do what he might he fell ever so far below the life of that spotless one that his crown in heaven must come to him at last not as a reward but as a free eternal gift
but all this while our friend and his little companion have been pattering along the wet streets in the rain and sleet of a bitter cold evening till they stopped before a grocery here a large cross-handled basket was first bought and then filled with sundry packages of tea sugar candles soap starch and various other matters a barrel of flour was ordered to be sent after him on a dray mr h next stopped at a dry goods store and bought a pair of blankets with which he loaded down the boy who was happy enough to be so loaded and then turning gradually from the more frequented streets the two were soon lost to view in one of the dimmest alleys of the city the cheerful fire was blazing in his parlour as returned from his long wet walk he was sitting by it with his feet comfortably encased in slippers the astral was burning brightly on the centre table and a group of children were around it studying their lessons papa said a little boy what does this verse mean it's in my sunday school lesson make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail they may receive you into everlasting habitations you ought to have asked your teacher my son but he said he didn't know exactly what it meant he wanted me to look this week and see if i could find out mr h s standing resource in all exegetical difficulties was dr scott's family bible therefore he now got up and putting on his spectacles walked to the glass bookcase and took down a volume of that worthy commentator and opening it read aloud the whole exposition of the passage together with the practical reflections upon it and by the time he had done he found his young auditor fast asleep in his chair mother said he this child plays too hard he can't keep his eyes open evenings it's time he was in bed i wasn't asleep pa said master henry starting up with that air of injured innocence with which gentlemen of his age generally treat an imputation of this kind then can you tell me now what the passage means that i have been reading to you there's so much of it said henry hopelessly i wish you'd just tell me in short order father oh read it for yourself said mr h as he pushed the book towards the boy for it was to be confessed that he perceived at this moment that he had not himself received any particularly luminous impression though of course he thought it was owing to his own want of comprehension mr h leaned back in his rocking-chair and on his own private account began to speculate a little as to what he really should think the verse might mean supposing he were at all competent to decide upon it make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness says he that's money very clearly how am i to make friends with it or of it receive me into everlasting habitations 
that's a singular kind of expression i wonder what it means dr scott makes some very good remarks about it but somehow i'm not exactly clear it must be remarked that this was not an uncommon result of mr h s critical investigations in this quarter well thoughts will wander and as he lay with his head on the back of his rocking-chair and his eyes fixed on the flickering blaze of the coal visions of his wet tramp in the city and of the lonely garret he had been visiting and of the poor woman with the pale discouraged face to whom he had carried warmth and comfort all blended themselves together he felt too a little indefinite creeping chill and some uneasy sensations in his head like a commencing cold for he was not a strong man and it is probable his long wet walk was likely to cause him some inconvenience in this way at last he was fast asleep nodding in his chair he dreamed that he was very sick in bed that the doctor came and went and that he grew sicker and sicker he was going to die he saw his wife sitting weeping by his pillow his children standing by with pale and frightened faces all things in his room began to swim and waver and fade and voices that called his name and sobs and lamentations that rose around him seemed far off and distant in his ear oh eternity eternity i am going i am going he thought and in that hour strange to tell not one of all his good deeds seemed good enough to lean on all bore some taint or tinge to his purified eye of mortal selfishness and seemed unholy before the all-pure i am going he thought there is no time to stay no time to alter to balance accounts and i know not what i am but i know o oh jesus what thou art i have trusted in thee and shall never be confounded and with that last breath of prayer earth was past a soft and solemn breathing as of music awakened him as an infant child not yet fully awake hears the holy warblings of his mother's hymn and smiles half conscious so the heaven-born became aware of sweet voices and loving faces around him ere yet he fully woke to the new immortal life ah oh, he has come at last how long we have waited for him here he is among us now for ever welcome welcome said the voices who shall speak the joy of that latest birth the birth from death to life the sweet calm inbreathing consciousness of purity and rest the certainty that all sin all weakness and error are at last gone forever the deep immortal rapture of repose felt to be but begun never to end so the eyes of the heaven-born opened on the new heaven and the new earth and wondered at the crowd of loving faces that thronged about him 
fair godlike forms of beauty such as earth never knew pressed round him with blessings thanks and welcome the man spoke not but he wondered in his heart who they were and whence it came that they knew him and as soon as the inquiry formed itself in his soul it was read at once by his heavenly friends i said one bright spirit was a poor boy whom you found in the streets you sought me out you sent me to school you watched over me and led me to the house of god and now here i am and we said other voices are other neglected children whom you redeemed we also thank you and i said another was a lost helpless girl sold to sin and shame nobody thought i could be saved everybody passed me by till you came you built a home a refuge for such poor wretches as i and there i and many like me heard of jesus and here we are and i said another was once a clerk in your store i came to the city innocent but i was betrayed by the tempter i forgot my mother and my mother's god i went to the gaming-table and the theatre and at last i robbed your drawer you might have justly cast me off but you bore with me you watched over me you saved me i am here through you this day and i said another was a poor slave girl doomed to be sold on the auction block to a life of infamy and the ruin of soul and body had you not been willing to give so largely for my ransom no one had thought to buy me you stimulated others to give and i was redeemed i lived a christian mother to bring my children up for christ they are all here with me to bless you this day and their children on earth and their children's children are growing up to bless you and i said another was an unbeliever in the pride of my intellect i thought i could demonstrate the absurdity of christianity i thought i could answer the argument from miracles and prophecy but your patient self-denying life was an argument i never could answer when i saw you spending all your time and all your money in efforts for your fellow-men undiscouraged by ingratitude and careless of praise then i thought there is something divine in that man's life and that thought brought me here the man looked around on the gathering congregation and he saw that there was no one whom he had drawn heavenward that had not also drawn thither myriads of others in his lifetime he had been scattering seeds of good around from hour to hour almost unconsciously and now he saw every seed springing up into a widening forest of immortal beauty and glory it seemed to him that there was to be no end of the numbers that flocked to claim him as their long-expected soul-friend his heart was full and his face became as that of an angel as he looked up to one who seemed nearer than all and said 
this is thy love for me unworthy o jesus of thee and to thee and through thee are all things amen amen as with course of many waters and mighty thunderings the sound swept onward and died far off in chiming echoes among the distant stars and the man awoke end of chapter thirty